0: tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome to another expert episode of the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. And today I interviewed Kate Anthony, who is incredible. She is the host of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, which was recommended by the New York Times. She is also a certified divorce coach, and she works specifically with women and more specifically women with children who are going through divorces. So she works with... Women to decide whether or not they should stay in their marriages or walk away from their marriages if they're no longer serving them. She helps them heal through going through a divorce and also helps them exit the relationship with a sense of grace, which I love and is so in line with what I do over here at Breakup SD. We talk specifically about divorce in this episode. Uh, we talk a lot about Kate's story with divorce and her journey through it. And it's a very beautiful and painful and a lot of ups and downs in her journey. And I'm so grateful that she was able to come on here and share that with us. We talk about going through a divorce with kids and what does co-parenting look like? What kind of space is necessary after going through a divorce to not only you know maintain the well-being of your children, but also your own well-being and what kind of boundaries needs to be set in place for you to be able to actually heal. Um, We talk about dating after divorce, getting into relationships after divorce. She talks about her journey with codependency. So it's an episode chock full of practical tips, so many great tools. If you are someone who is about to go through a divorce going through a divorce or well on your way through a divorce this is the episode for you if you're dealing with co-parenting this is the episode for you so I'm really looking forward to you guys getting all of this amazing wisdom from Kate I could have talked to her for like two more hours so we'll definitely be working together again at some point so here is Kate Anthony Welcome, Kate, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. So excited to have you on and learn more about you today. Thanks, Kendra. I'm so happy to be here. Like I said to you before we started recording, I'm obsessed with your Instagram. (laughs) So it's it's so great to be here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'd love if you could just start off by briefly introducing yourself and also very curious in like the journey that led you to you know being a divorce coach
1: yeah yeah well it was not my childhood dream <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we also talked about before we hit record like right now like it was not something that i wanted to be when i was a little girl but here we are um so really my story is that i was in a very very volatile um, emotionally abusive marriage for A good long time. And we were together for 10 years. We were only married for five and we have a great kid. Um, And now looking back on it, I'm like, wow. (laughs) But you know, when we're in it, it's so hard to really see like what's happening. Um, It was an emotionally abusive marriage. And I spent so long agonizing over the decision whether to stay or go. I mean, agonizing, you know, and I kept thinking, well, there's certainly one more thing. Right. I was looking for the magic bullet. I was like, there's one more thing that I need to do. And then that will be the thing that makes it so that everything's fine. Right. Because he kept telling me that that was the case. If I was just a little bit more this, if I was a little skinnier, so I would like go on a diet and then I'd be fine. Meanwhile, I was like 125 pounds um <laughs> it's a whole other conversation. Um if i was like maybe funnier or if i talked more like my friends or if i like i mean i was bending myself into all of these pretzels if i went we went to one more marriage therapist, one more couples workshop. That would be the thing and we'd find the key and the ticket. And you know, it turned out that none of that was true, right? There was no one more thing. Though so, frankly, the one more thing would have been if he had stopped cheating on me and like actually committed to being in the marriage and not abusing me, that would have been the thing. But I had no control over that, right? But the interesting thing that happened was we fought like cats and dogs, like cats and dogs. It was awful. And finally, I was like, enough. And it was one of those things where it blurted. Like I kept looking, I kept asking people, how do you know? How do you know when it's time to go? How do you know when it's time to go? How do you know? And, you know, people would say, you know when you know you'll know and I was like that's not helpful because I don't know um at the end of the day I did know like right like I just needed some permission but I you know didn't have that until suddenly I really did know like you know something happened and I was like oh I'm done and then I just kind of blurted it out on Christmas Eve which I don't (laughs) I do (laughs) not recommend really makes Christmas awkward it's we're like assembling a, like a play kitchen for our son the next morning. It was awful. You're like, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. And then at that moment, like everything changed. And we just became collaborative co-parents who are willing to do anything to make this work for a kid. And it was weird, you know, for the first like two weeks of us being great, and like laughing again. And like, it was like, we stopped trying to get those emotional needs met from each other. And like, oh, we were great. And then we were like, well, should we stay together? <laughs> you know, and interesting. Yeah. God love my ex. He was the one who was like, no, because as soon as we add that ingredient back in, we're screwed. Um, and so we had this great divorce and people who knew us and watched us go through it were like, how did you two do that? Like, that's amazing. And so people were coming to us over and over, coming to me, asking me how we did it. Um, And I kept saying, you know, that we just put our son at the center of every decision that we made. Everything. Everything was about our son. And then I was like, I need a new job. I need a new career because I'd been an actor for 30 years. And I was like, I'm so done with that. And I just didn't want to keep doing that, having that life as a divorced mom. So um, I, you know, eventually went to school to become a coach and it was always my, that was always my dream. Like, I want to help people get through these divorces, no matter how volatile, no matter I really want to help people get through these in healthy ways. Um, And then, of course, over the last 12 years, things have ebbed and flowed and changed in the direction and the way that I work and who I work with. But that's sort of how I got here was by living through it and then getting trained and certified and actually how to help people through it. Right. Which I think is an important distinction, because, as you know, the coaching industry is, you know, (laughs) unregulated. And so um, so I'm actually qualified and to do it. So, yeah,
0: that's amazing. I mean, it's such (laughs) a similar story to, I mean, you know, minus like the divorce, mine was a breakup, but it was the same thing. It was like people were watching. It was almost like, there's that saying like attract rather than promote kind of a thing and it was Mm -hmm. like people saw how I did it Mm -hmm. Um, and then it just evolved like totally organically from there Um, and I wanted to ask you a couple follow-up questions to your story so when you said that you felt like you needed permission do you feel like you needed permission from someone else like someone to say like it's okay to walk away or was it just something that you had to give yourself that permission
1: Well, there was one person, it was a really pivotal moment where there was one person who said, you don't like your husband and you're the only person who doesn't know it. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Right. And I want, I think I needed more people, but here's the deal. People were telling me and I wasn't hearing it. Right. I was making excuses because at the end of the day, I didn't want to get divorced. I wanted him to be nicer. Yeah, right. Like, I didn't want to get divorced. I wanted him to stop abusing me. But the only way for that to happen was for me to stop allowing myself to be victimized and to remove myself from the situation. But when I talk about permission, I think I talk about it in many aspects. I mean, I talk about it from, first of all, on the cultural level, women are always seeking permission, we are constantly seeking permission for any myriad of things. And the idea that we get to choose to leave a marriage is such a radical act. Um, we wait for boys to ask us to dance at the school dance. You know, we wait for men to ask us on dates. We wait for them to ask us to marry them. Like we are not at choice, right? And if mm. we say no, then like what, what the hell's wrong with us? We're a bitch, right? Yeah. So the idea that we can then say, actually, I choose to leave this thing is a pretty radical act for a woman. Yeah. And so there's that aspect of permission, like permission that you're allowed to choose. Um, And I say to women all the time, people come to me and they say, he's fine. Like, he's not abusing me. They'll say, he doesn't hit me. He's fine. I'm like, is that the bar? Is that the bar for your happiness (laughs) that he doesn't hit you? Right. And so It's really this idea that we think that we're supposed to suffer if it's not glaringly awful. I also have women say to me all the time, God, I just wish he would cheat on me. I wish he would cheat on me because then I'd yes. have a reason to leave because her own feelings aren't reason enough.
0: Isn't that wild?
1: It's it's so upsetting. And then, by the way, there are women whose husbands are cheating and they're still making excuses. So you just move that bar and it doesn't matter. The excuses follow, right? The excuses come with you however far out it goes. Um, There's that aspect of permission, right? And then it's like... You know, and we hide it. We pretend everything's so good and everything looks good on the outside and we hide it and then we're ashamed and we're like, oh, like, well, I can't let people know that it's, right? And on and on it goes. All of this is about the fact that women don't feel that they have choice and agency in their relationships, whether to choose to be in them or out of them. And that's really upsetting. And it's something that I hope that, you know, we can all change the more we
0: talk about it, right? I agree on so many levels. And I even notice there are times in my friend group where I feel uncomfortable venting about my husband. I'm in a great relationship, but there are things we struggle with. And sometimes I feel like, quote unquote, bad, for saying anything poorly about my relationship, which is super unfortunate. That is like a message given to us. Um, And I think what I tell people is you can end a great relationship if you just don't have the feelings for them anymore. It's okay. Right. And if you're not in love with them, but you love them and they're good
1: and they're a good provider, you can go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. You can you know?
0: Yeah. Do you believe in that? There's that saying of like, if you're, I don't even know if it's a saying, but I've just heard that thing. Like if you're considering leaving a relationship, that's a sign that you should leave a relationship. Do you believe that to be true?
1: I mean, I think for the most part, look, I mean, if you're up in the middle of that, I always say that for me, like if you're up in the middle of the night, Googling, should I stay or should I go? You're probably not in a happy relationship. Yeah right? If you land on my website because you've gone through, you know, multiple pages of The Clash, should I stay or should I go? And you've gotten to the actual question rather than the song, um, probably you're not happy. Yeah. Right? Because like, people in happy relationships don't really ask that. No. Right? Do you? Like... No. I shouldn't ask you that.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's <Okay. laughs> gay. Oh, Have you ever- No. Um, but I do remember when I was in a, you know, relationship with a narcissist, obviously before my husband and I used to google is my relationship abusive. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah.
1: right, if you're googling is my relationship abusive, whether or not the relationship is abusive, which by the way it probably is if you're googling it, but whether or not it is, you're not in a happy relationship.
0: Yeah. I think what I was, you know, one of the questions I had down to ask you was like telltale signs that someone should leave a relationship. And I think we've covered, it's, yeah. it's like, we it's the gamut. It's like, totally. if they cheat, or if you just don't love them in that, you know, if you're not in love with them anymore, it's like, there's, it's totally fine. And listen, yeah. you can come back from infidelity, right? So
1: if they cheat and they come back and are willing to go to, th- therapy with a therapist who specializes in infidelity recovery right and that's important then sure like you know and if here's what I see all the time I see hundreds and hundreds of women whose husbands have cheated and they're not over it because they're not over it (laughs) Because right? yeah. it was really traumatizing. And their husbands are like, "Whatever it's over, okay? It's been over forever, so you should just be over it. Like, why aren't you over this already? Wow. And, you know, he doesn't get to say it's not up to him. He doesn't get yeah. to say when it's time to be over it, right? Like you do. You get to say when you're ready to move on. Um and it's usually only with a lot of work to do. And frankly, if someone is saying, why aren't you over it? Or like, if they're exasperated in any way, shape or form about how long it's taking you to build back trust, my guess is they're going to do it again. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because
0: they just want to blow past it instead of, And I interviewed someone who talked about infidelity and she was saying like, they need to want to know why they did it. Because if they don't know the why, then it's likely to repeat itself, whether that's like a childhood wound or past hurts or something, you know, anything like that. They have to want to know why, otherwise it will happen again.
1: Right. And, you know, for the most part, affairs don't occur in vacuums. Right. So often there's something in the relationship that's missing. I believe just anecdotally, I have not done a study on this, but anecdotally, I believe that men and women cheat for different reasons. Um, I think that women cheat because they feel alone and they're not they don't feel loved and they're looking for love. Right. Mm-hmm. Somewhere else or acceptance or, you know, some kind that feeling um, whether it's actual love or not, but you know, small <laughs> lowercase yeah. L. Um, yeah. and I think that men cheat for sex <laughs> for the yeah. most part, right? And because they can. And again, anecdotally and generally speaking, um, I don't want people coming at me in the comments <laughs> <laughs> about this. Um and so, you know, very often we have to address what's missing in the relationship. And if sex is something that's missing in the relationship why is sex missing in the relationship, right? And I also think that men and women have different views of of how to regain intimacy in a relationship. And men are like, well, if we had more sex, we'd be more intimate. And women are like, if we were more emotionally connected, I would feel closer to you, which would then lead to sex, Right. Which would lead to intimacy, which would lead to sex. And men are like, you know, men think that sex leads to intimacy and women think that intimacy leads to sex. So it's, you know, we we have to be communicating those things with each other in order to bridge those gaps. And so often that's the problem is that it's my way or the highway or like if you adjust
0: yeah, and I think that goes back to what you were saying in the beginning, which I thought was really interesting. And I see that a lot in my clients is I think sometimes we think if only it was my fault, then I could change it. So we like overly take. That's right. Then blame. I can control it. Yes. Then I
1: could do something.
0: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's mm-hmm. scary to. It's scary to feel powerless and we're essentially powerless over everyone except ourselves. And when you're in that place where you don't want to leave, but you know something's wrong, it's like, If only it was just my thing and then I could fix it and then we'd be fine Um, when the truth is a lot of the time, it's either both people or, you know, the other person, like in your case. And sure,
1: like we, and listen, I was codependent as the day is long and I had a lot of work to do on my codependency that had me stay in a relationship that was really abusive for a really long time, long before we got married. Like, you know, at this point in my development, Two months, not even two months. I can't even remember. It had to have been two or three months into our relationship. I remember the first time it happened and being so blindsided. And so like, what just, what just happened? How could he have said that to me? Like, that's not, and now at this point in my development, that would be it. Yeah. That would be it. Isn't that, yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: Yeah. as much as
1: I loved him, that would be it.
0: And that's a great sign that we're growing as people, if you can look back mm-hmm. in your last relationship and think, I would never stand for that again. Yeah. I look back yeah. on some things and I get a little cringy because I'm like, oh I am so cringy!" Yeah, I can't believe I put up with that or took that on as mine when it wasn't mine. Um, so, yeah. and I think that's such a common thing that I hear is people really discover and dive into their codependency um, after getting out of a relationship because then like your main coping tool of being with someone else is gone. So it's like, you feel like a raw nerve all right. of a sudden.
1: I mean, that's the most important thing. I was working with a client on this yesterday is that often what we do as codependents is we immediately try to get into another relationship because we don't want to have to feel that emptiness and that void and that like that rawness, right? So we're like, oh, fill that with somebody else, somebody else, somebody else, right? And it's like a panic. It is a panic. Yeah. It's, it's compulsive. It's an, it's an addiction. Really is what it is. Um, And yeah, it's super compulsive. And if you feel that panic, stop and breathe because a new person is not the answer (laughs) because you're kicking the can down the road right? Because you get in, a, you get in a relationship, right? You yeah. get in a relationship with the, with some new person and it all feels great. And you're like, oh good, this is healing. And this is wonderful. And all of those things. And then like six months into the relationship, he may be an amazing guy. It may be a great match, but you're still carrying all that toxic shit. And you just kicked your healing, you know, six months down the road. And now you can't be intimate with this new person because the other shit's still there.
0: Yeah. I love that kicking the can down the road. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, and that's why I tell people I'm like the best time to deal with a breakup is now, not yes. not later. And that kind of moves me to talking about like the actual process of going through a divorce. I mean, divorces are a beast, but there's <laughs> all, you know, like if we're looking at it compared to just a run-of-the-mill breakup, you have that, then you also have this whole legal process that you have to go through um, splitting up of property and money. And then if there's kids involved, that's like another third thing to throw in. And one thing I wanted to ask is, do you find that people who are going through divorce, because there's just so many logistics to deal with in the beginning, do you feel like sometimes their emotional healing doesn't start right away because they're just like, I just have to go through my to-do list. And then later then they're like, oh shit, now I'm really hurt. Yeah, I see a few things, actually.
1: Um, And there's two kind of sides to it. The first is that when you get divorced, you're making the biggest legal and financial decisions of your entire life in the middle of the biggest emotional upheaval of your entire life. Right. And it's a horrible, horrible combination. And what tends to happen is that you make really bad legal and financial decisions when you're really emotionally distraught or when you're feeling angry and you have all the resentment and you haven't processed that. So what I say is put the brakes on all of the legal and financial stuff Hmm. so that you can process the emotional stuff and make better legal and financial choices. Because the litigation system would love nothing more. <laughs> the family law system would love nothing more than for you to be super unprocessed and angry and bitter and resentful so that it can take all that resentment and fuel a really nasty litigation, <laughs> right? And lots this, of
0: billable hours.
1: This is how divorce, <laughs> yeah, this is how divorce litigators make their money. They make money off of your anger and resentment. Like Mm. a lot of the laws are fairly (laughs) cut and dry, right? I mean, they're not because family law is fucked, but yeah. But if you were processed and you were like, all right, all right. Once I've gotten over being resentful and, you know, my ex and I were for all of our faults together, we were also had done so much work. We'd done so much couples therapy, group couples therapy, um, we have done individual therapy, you know, I mean, all of it, 12 step programs, the whole thing so that when we got there, like we could move through that more quickly. And, and I think, you know, we both I had certainly grieved and processed the hard stuff before. But then what happens? So there's that, right? Like, I believe you should take that time to process as much as possible so that you can at least heal your resentments go into it with a clean, from a neutral place, right? Mm -hmm. Because then you can put your kids at the center. If you have kids, like, put them at the center of everything because if they're not in the center, they're in the middle, and that's bad.
0: Ooh, yeah.
1: And then, but the other thing that happens is you realize later down the road that you've divorced this person logistically and legally and, you know, physically, but suddenly you're getting into the same fights, (laughs) You know, over the kids or whatever, because, you know, when it's, you know, the biggest difference between a breakup and a divorce um, can be not always, but is kids. And, you know, if you're breaking up with someone that you don't have kids with or divorcing someone you don't have kids with, you don't ever have to see them again. (laughs) But when you're breaking up with someone or divorcing someone that you have kids with, you have to continue that relationship for the rest of your life. So, you know, what happened for me was that five years into my divorce, he was still emotionally abusing me. Like it just sort of came back and we were having these huge flare ups. Now, it was like while we were married, it was like every single day, multiple times a day. And in our divorce, it was maybe like once a week, once every couple of weeks. But it was the same thing. Hmm. And I realized that I hadn't divorced him emotionally. And that does take longer. That takes a lot longer. Right. Cause we were pretending everything was great. Like, oh, now we're getting divorced and we're going to do this great. And we're going to be like the, you know, the poster children for divorce. And then later you're like, oh shit. Oh shit. I'm still the victim. I'm still doing this. I'm still putting myself in this position.
0: If you are a listener of this podcast, you know I warn about how your phone can either be a great tool or a huge obstacle when it comes to getting over your breakup. Instead of spending time on your phone trying to figure out what your ex is up to, why not spend some time engaging in a super fun mystery game that will help take your mind off your breakup? June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I am such a big mystery and puzzle fan, so this game has been so fun for me to get into. When I'm looking for a little escape from reality during the day or a way to relax that doesn't involve social media, it's been so fun to use my brain in a new way by diving into June's captivating quest and engaging my sense of observation to find the hidden clues. your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is so important to share your thoughts and feelings while going through a breakup, especially if it's something you're feeling any guilt or shame around. I know whenever I'm struggling with a certain thought or situation and I keep it to myself, it gets heavier and heavier and feels harder and harder to manage. I truly believe we are as sick as our secrets. Therapy has always been a safe space for me to have a judgment-free zone to get things off my chest. Whether it's something from my past, a current struggle, or something I'm anxious about in the future, I always feel lighter when I'm able to share something that feels Since getting sober over 11 years ago, most of my friends don't drink, and last month at my birthday dinner, we were going around the table talking about our favorite non-alcoholic drink, and almost everyone at the table was talking about how much they love recess, me included. Not only is Recess Mood a delicious drink, Strawberry Rose is my favorite, but they also have raspberry lemon, which is so good, lime, citrus, and more. It's made with real fruit. It's only 20 calories, and it comes with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium, so it can also bring me a much, much much-needed moment of peace. So whether you're like me and are always on the hunt for functional and tasty non-alcoholic drinks, or you're just looking for something healthy to unwind at the end of the day, Recess Mood should be your go-to. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. My mind is blown. So many like good one-liners you say. <laughs> um, but was that process of the emotional divorce was that something you just did? Because that that wouldn't be something that you guys worked through together, was it? Or was that something you guys did work through together?
1: Eventually we did. It was really messy. It was really bad. Instead of dealing with it in any other way, I wrote an article (laughs) for the (laughs) Huffington Post about it. And (laughs) I'm calling him out as an abuser. And I did it in the heat of a moment. Like there was this one incident that was so bad and so horrific. I still am traumatized by it. It was really, really emotionally traumatizing. Um, And again, this was four or five years post-divorce. Like it's insane. And and so I, in the heat of my anger, I wrote an article (laughs) that went viral in the Huffington Post. And so he had to contend with the fact that I basically called him out as an abuser publicly Publicly. i didn't name him but my name was on the article so like whatever and i do not recommend that so i basically dropped a bomb on it because i I think at the time i didn't know how else i didn't understand what was happening right Mm -hmm. in hindsight i understand what's happening and now i can help my clients understand what's happening so that they don't drop similar bombs but i just dropped a bomb on it because i couldn't fucking take it anymore and It led to us basically not speaking for a couple of years. It was all transactional. It was all about our kids, our son. It was a lot of like uh, what we call parallel parenting instead of co-parenting. His wife did not speak to me for many years. Hmm. And it took some time. (laughs) Um, This was maybe, maybe it was like three years into our divorce, actually come to think of it. Anyway, I don't know. Um, It took some time. And then we started to heal it. And then we started to talk about it. And then I was like clear what was happening. And we were able to talk about it. It still took his wife a couple of years before she was willing to talk to me again. And frankly, I think it's because she didn't want to know what I was saying. She, I think, now has a much clearer picture of him. And we're all super good friends now. And so it's all fine now. Yeah. (laughs) But but it was a really ugly process. So I don't recommend that, but I do recommend being aware of that so that you don't go through a similar ugly process.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's always the thing because obviously like the best thing after going through a breakup is space, you know, and when you share children, um, you can't get that total space. Um, And, so I'm wondering, is there a balance to reach with that space? Mm -hmm. Um, Are there boundaries that should be set in place? Um, I would love if you could kind of speak to that.
1: Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Um, You know, the first thing I would say is like unfriend, you don't have to unfriend, but unfollow just like all the usual things that you talk about, like do all of the things that you can do. Right. Yeah. And have conversations with your in-laws and say, listen, you know, if you have, and this is a really hard thing with one of the hardest things about a divorce is not necessarily leaving the person, but leaving their family can be. And it was one of the hardest things for me. And so I say, have a conversation with them and say, like, I love you. And I really hope that we can continue to be in each other's lives. Um, I'm going to need to take some space. and I'm going to have to like unfollow you on social media because it hurts me because it re injures me every time I see these, you know, posts about him. And so I just, I just need my space. And so you're creating space in a different way. Um, I don't recommend doing a whole lot of, you know, a lot of people and I did this too, where we were like, we're fine. We can still be a family. So we can still have all our holidays together and we can still like pretend. It was confusing as fuck for my kid. He was like, if you're divorced, but everything's fine and we're having holidays together, then get back together, assholes. (laughs) You know, (laughs) was basically. And we were like, oh, okay. So maybe we've done this too much. Right. So I really do recommend taking that space um but if you're raw and it hurts a lot even if they don't agree and even if they don't right this is the permission part again nobody needs to give you permission to take the time and space that you need to heal other than yourself you know divorce is a boundary it's the biggest boundary you'll ever set um I talk about when you have the divorce conversation, when you tell someone that you want a divorce, you're not asking for a divorce. You're not asking permission. They don't ever have to understand. They don't ever have to agree. This is a declaration. And so the same is true of any boundary that you may need. If you need time and space and you say, listen, I cannot have you come into the house every time you drop you know, Timmy off and like hang out and talk, like, even if he doesn't feel the same way, you still get to assert yourself and say, I can't have that happen. You need to drop him off and then go away. And any conversation that we have about co-parenting and things like that, I need to have by text. Just for my own healing. There's nothing wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. This is just for me at my own
0: healing, right? So, like, Yeah, I think that's say that. so important. It's so important. And, and when I talk to people about that, because I say that, like, it's okay to say, I am hurt. And because I'm hurt, this is what I need. And I think sometimes it's probably, you know, our ego getting in the way, but sometimes we have this thing of being like, oh, I don't want to appear hurt. Like I should appear fine. And it's like, fine, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who are you fooling at that point? I love that. Like going to your in-laws and just saying like, I love you guys. If you do, I love you guys, but this is what I need. And I think there also is something to say about cutting off in the short term to preserve the long term. Yes,
1: that's exactly right. And that's exactly right. And you can use that, like say that, say like, I just need this space for now so that we can come back together and have a healthy relationship. People are like, I want to be friends with my ex. And I'm like, that's great, but maybe not now. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But I love that. Right. Cutting off in the short term to preserve the long term. It's exactly right.
0: Yeah. And and I loved, gosh, that what you said, oh, if you're what, wait, what did you say? If your kid's not at the, at the center, if they're not at yes, the center, they're in their the middle.
1: In the middle. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Which is amazing. And I'm wondering what kind of balance do you help people have? Because, you know, like if I were to go through a breakup without kids, I would want to be able to just like watch something and, and sob and like, I would want to just be able to like fully let my feelings right. out. But obviously when you have a kid, you don't want to bad mouth your ex. You don't want them <sighs> to see you falling to pieces. So what's the balance there with like so hard healing the hurt and then also being a parent? Right. Well, and you know, listen, moms are
1: really good at this. We're really good at compartmentalizing. We're really good at like putting on a face, But don't do that all the time. Have the place and the time. Like if you've got little kids and they go to bed at seven, like, you know, 730 to nine is like, you know, a pint of Ben and Jerry's and the notebook and your tears, right? (laughs) Like that, take that time, have a therapist, have friends that you can call or text or vent to, you know, hire a coach. Have the places that you can go so that you can process this shit. Because again, if you don't process it, you're kicking a can down the road. And then what happens is when we're not processing our emotions properly, we take it out on our kids. So we Hmm. get angry. We're short-tempered. We have a short fuse. And we just don't have the bandwidth to carry all of that and not process it somewhere appropriate.
0: Is there any... Benefit to having your kid watch you go through something Mm -hmm. tough with some Mm -hmm. grace in that way.
1: Absolutely. I think that if you break down in tears in the kitchen and your kid sees you cry, be honest about it and say, you know, this is really hard for mommy too, because they're obviously going through a hard time too. So, absolutely. The way that you don't want to tip over, like the line that you don't want to cross, is you don't want them ever to feel like you're not okay and they have to take care of you. Yeah. Right. So being able to articulate as you're going through it is, you know, mommy's really this is really hard for mommy. And this is hard for dad, too. Um, This is hard for all of us. Um, And it's a really hard concept for kids to understand that something can be painful and also the right choice. Right. Because No,
0: that's a good point. You know,
1: in kids minds, they're much more black and white thinkers. And so they're like, well, if it makes you sad, then don't do it. Yeah. Like, duh, right? Yeah, and that's just not the way it works, right? And so it's an adult concept that we have to help them understand that, like, I can be sad and it's the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, and also situation. And I know, you know, just like friends whose parents went through divorces, and they feel like they lost their permission to be sad because it's like now I have to be the strong one for my mom or my dad. Exactly,
1: right? Exactly. And so you really you don't want to them to witness you in complete (laughs) breakdown right but crying and you know and then being able to talk through it so that they don't feel responsible you know you always want to give your kids permission to have all the feelings that they're having as well yeah um and very often you know i always suggest a child psychologist if at all possible because they need a place that's not with you and like they're mad at mom and dad
0: They need someone to tell that. So they need someone else (laughs) to talk to. Yeah, for sure. I think that's I think that's huge. Mm -hmm. Um and I wanted to, I definitely want to talk to you about dating after divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, but one thing I wanted, and it's something that you said sparked it. But when you were saying how when you and your ex husband started getting along again, your first inclination was to want to get back together. And like you said, like Thank God your ex husband said no, but do you see that happen? Like, once there's a danger of acting like a family again and, you know, doing all that to go back?
1: Yeah. And that's why I feel like you have to be really careful and put that space in between. And look, I've also seen marriages that have broken up and, like, in that space, they've both done a lot of work and then they do start and, you know, legitimately come back together. But, like, that takes a lot of hard work and it takes, therapy and there's a lot to that um but yes for sure for sure I think a lot of people will fall into that trap if they don't take the space yeah you know yeah
0: yeah and it's confusing
1: for kids like holy shit like I mean look we don't get divorced this isn't a like this isn't an easy decision right like we have agonized over this for a really 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 long time once we get to the other side of that Like, going back is, like, it's an equally hard decision, right? And so doing this to your kids, like, we we don't want back and forth for your kids. Yeah. Like, ladies and gentlemen, whoever's listening, please don't have sex with your ex. Please, please don't have sex. I don't care if it's the best sex you ever had and it's, like, the thing you're going to miss the most, right? I'm sure Kendra and I agree fully on this don't have sex with them.
0: Oh my gosh. I literally, right after I get off this recording, I'm recording my reels for today, which is like, oh good. someone said, can I be friends with benefits with my ex? I was like, that's the last person on this planet you should be friends with benefits with. Like pick literally anyone else. Pick anyone. Anyone else. I don't anyone. care Anyone? Please yeah. no, for God's sake. God, no. Because I'm like, the goal of Friends with Benefits is to go in with no strings attached. You have a cajillion strings. strings, All all strings are attached. Right,
1: right. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. I love that. That is the goal of Friends with Benefits, isn't it?
0: (laughs) I know. And it's there. I mean, it's already not easy. I'm just someone that I've never really been able to successfully do that. But um, me neither. Me neither. So it's already hard. So add in like, add in a history and being in love. All this stuff—it's a disaster. No, um, no, so I mean, I guess that kind of takes us into like moving on post-divorce, and I'm sure you get this question a lot. Of like, people will say, "How long should I wait before I start dating?" And I'm like, I don't have a timeline. There's it, no timeline. There's no timeline. Yeah. So different. Um, however, I wonder if are there any like healing milestones you recommend people get to before they start dating? Gosh, healing milestones. That's interesting. Well, first of all, I think
1: people can date whenever the hell they want. Right? Dating is different from being in a relationship. Totally. And this is where women, codependent women in particular, really get confused. <laughs> like, we're not good at dating.
0: <laughs> we're really good at relationships. We have the whole um, relationship planned out on the second date. <laughs> on the second, probably for like halfway through the first. Uh, <laughs> if
1: you're like really good at it, like I am. Yeah. Um, right? I mean, and that's the thing. So I think all women in particular, codepend- or codependent people, men and women, should learn how to date and you know sometimes right out of the gate is a great time to do that because nothing will teach you more about yourself than dating it's an incredible petri dish of all of your shit (laughs) right up in your face and so i think people should date as much as they want but be really clear that you are dating Mm -hmm. i don't care that he's amazing yeah. <laughs> after your first date. No, he's not. <laughs> like, you've known him for three hours. Yeah, We're we all amazing know. for three hours, <laughs> right? Yeah. We can all do that. So, you know, I don't care about your connection. To be honest, if you have like sparks are flying all over the place, you better run for the hills because bad. that's yeah. a bad idea. Um, so dating is great relationships um i mean healing milestones look i don't think any of us should be getting into relationships within the first year after a significant breakup or divorce um i think that starts from like when you move out right cuz a lot of us like mm, i did yeah. like i lived with my ex for 6 months before i moved out like we weren't divorced for another year and a half after that right listen you can date in some states because they're archaic you actually Dating while you're separated and not legally divorced is considered adultery, and it's not uh, okay. Which is like, so check your state's laws. Um, that's of wild. course, of course, just for the women, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but again, you know, they say in twelve step programs, you know, twelve step programs like make no major changes for the first year of recovery, right? I think that rule applies like yeah. when you're basically taking yourself out of something really enormous that you probably have some kind of a bond or addiction or whatever you need time and so
0: in times of like healing markers like i don't know what do you think do, are there do you well, do I you think th- like Yeah. I think getting to the place, like what you said, it's when you have, especially like when there's like an addiction. I mean, I think like your body, your brain, and your heart all need to learn how to function without that person, you know, before, because otherwise you're going to take all the charge. It's just going to go to the new person.
1: Right. And that's not fair to them. I also think that you don't know someone for real until you've known them or dated them for at least a year. Right. So like you've got to go through a whole cycle of seasons before you really know someone. And so take the time to get into a relationship with someone, be slow, be intentional and take space between dates. Right. So love bombing When people love bomb you, it's really about not giving you any space to catch your own breath and have any rational thought. There is a constant onslaught of excitement and passion and all of that stuff that keeps the rational brain asleep.
0: So I've never heard that explained like that, and it's spot on. Right? It
1: is. It's it's triggering parts of the brain. It's giving like all these dopamine hits, right? Where you can't think rationally. And whether you're being love bombed or not, that flood of emotions in a new relationship requires space, alone time. You know, we want to be together on the time and and, 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 like you feel like you want to vomit when you're not with them and all of that stuff. Right. (laughs) And like, yeah, take that time, keep that space so that that part of your brain can relax a bit and you can actually think about like, do I like this person? Do our values align? Does my rational brain like them as much as my non-rational brain, right? And we don't like to ask those questions. Those are horrible questions, right?
0: Like, yeah, because it feels like we're ruining something good. Right. And I know I think I read on your Instagram about like... Do you think a lot of this stuff about like people falling into like love bombing or like hopping into something new? Is that why second, I think you said like second and third marriages have much higher divorce rates. Yeah. 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 They're 68% for
1: second marriages and 74% for a third. Damn. And that's exactly why. Well, the reason is because we're not taking the time to heal and figure out what went wrong. We're just like, oh, well, he was an asshole. So let me get a new yeah. one. Right. And often we get these second marriages, like we get engaged after, you know, three, four months. Right. Because we think we know. Now we know things. They're so different from the other person. Yeah. They're just not. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they're just a different version, probably because your picker is the
0: same yeah and your beliefs and you know mm-hmm. all of the, I heard this saying once and not to say that the persons an asshole but it says like if you run into three assholes before noon like you are the asshole you know it's like the asshole you're probably the asshole um <laughs> right. so it's mm-hmm. like if right. this keeps happening and it can't just be all on the other person like it has That's to right. do with our beliefs and when we're attracting people um well, this has been such a fun conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for like I know, three hours. <laughs> I <know. laughs> so we'll have to do a part two okay. of this. But um, I'd love if you could share. Um, you have a podcast. So your podcast, your website, your Instagram, and I'll put this all in the show notes too. Awesome. Thank you. So my podcast is the Divorce Survival Guide podcast.
1: And um, my Instagram is at the Divorce Survival Guide. And like, sometimes I'm on TikTok too. at <laughs> The Divorce yes. Survival Guide. And uh, my website is kateanthony.com. And you can basically find all links to all the things
0: on my website. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm going to send all my divorce followers your way. (laughs) Cause this is, I mean, you're just such a wealth of knowledge and such a, such a pillar for people who, you know, their lives just fell apart. So I'm very glad you exist. It's a rough time.
1: Yeah, Thank you. I'm glad you exist too. Thank you so much for having me, Kendra. It's such a pleasure.
0: Yes. Okay. We'll talk soon. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to yourbreakupbestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself stay connected with loved ones. And the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise.